0: Hi, I'm Edwin, and I'm Andrew. Sound
1: the battle cry.
0: Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal Impact. Welcome to Text Talk.
1: Good morning, Andrew. Hey there, Edwin.
0: I am loving Matthew 9. Yeah, man. It's like one step at a time in, in building this picture of Jesus Christ the Christ, the anointed of God, the Messiah, and the authority that he has.
1: You know, by the time we get to the end of this chapter, we we really do need to be wrestling with the identity of this one. Absolutely. You know, the angels are saying that he is the Savior, and he's come to take away sins, and he's God among us, and all this. But uh, does he look like that? Does he bear that out?
0: And and by the way, so are the demons, actually. Yeah. yeah. Demons demons are saying that too. too. The unclean spirits are saying that. I just remember we got to the end of the Sermon on the Mount and the people were astonished because he taught as one having authority. Then we moved into Matthew chapter eight and he demonstrated that authority. We got to the beginning of Matthew chapter nine and saw that that authority was actually in order to teach us that this really great need that we have, he has authority over that as well, the forgiveness of sins. That's right. It is just beautiful. All right. So I want to see more of this authority and I'd like for you to Read if you will, Matthew yeah. 9. A couple more miracles. 27 here. through 34. Yep, from the New King James. When
1: Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, Son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, "'According to your faith, let it be to you.' And their eyes were opened. And Jesus sternly warned them, saying, "'See that no one knows it.' But when they had departed, they spread the news about him in all that country. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a man mute and demon-possessed. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke. And the multitude marveled, saying, "'It was never seen like this in Israel.' But the Pharisees said, He casts out demons
0: by the ruler of the demons. I just picked up something that, a a connection that I hadn't seen even even in prepping for this. You remember in the story of the centurion in Matthew chapter 8, you remember what Jesus said about him after he displayed his faith? I had not seen faith like that in Israel. And now here we get to this miracle and what are the people saying about Jesus? Yeah, we've never seen anything never like, seen this. like this in Israel. You've done it. Never done a miracle like this in Israel. <laughs> well, nobody <laughs> else has done this. We've yeah. looked through the Old Testament, and we're seeing Jesus do things that is much greater than anybody has ever done in all of the history of Israel. And that's that's pretty amazing because some pretty amazing things had happened throughout. That's a really great point. The history of of Israel. So so uh, I mean, uh, we we've now
1: traversed. And we're not quite done reading Matthew nine, but he's raised the dead he has healed the given sight to the blind caused the mute to speak
0: the the lame is rose up and walk and every time even when he's telling them all right guys keep it quiet yeah the news is spreading god is being glorified authority is being attributed to jesus and now those who are pushing back have to come up with a counter-narrative
1: yeah, so they cannot, uh, excuse me, they cannot dispute, that's the word, this man has authority, power. They're going to suggest it comes from another source. The people are saying this is the great prophet of God, uh, Messiah, they're starting to think it, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're going to well, say, oh yeah, there's power here.
0: What do the blind men call him? yeah son of david son of david which that's that's a reference back to hey everything that was promised to david and and his lineage and his son we're seeing that in you, and because we see that in you, we're asking you to heal our blindness. Mm-hmm. We are seeing you as the Messiah, the mm-hmm. the Anointed, the King that was promised to come.
1: Yeah, in the line of David. So the way they're going to the way they're going to answer that is to say, oh yeah, there's power, there's authority here, but he is casting out demons by the ruler of the demons. He says it's a demon. They say Jesus has a
0: demonic power. They say Jesus is the devil. Yeah. So I this concept of viewing it as the counter-narrative. You know, there's a story that we're telling ourselves, and Matthew is writing a story. And the story that Matthew is writing is, take a look at all of this work that Jesus is doing. And the story that I'm telling you with all of this is he is the Messiah, he is the Christ, he is the son of the living God, he is God. Right. He is God in the flesh. He is the I am. He is the he is Yahweh who redeems. Remember that story from last mm-hmm. week about the storm that took us back to Psalm 107. He he is the Messiah that's going to come uh, and and save mm-hmm. and judge. He is all of those things. That story about sitting in the tombs with the demons took yeah. us back to Isaiah 65.
1: Right the, right. the
0: storm reminded us of Jonah and and we we'll, we'll get to this again later in Matthew, but a greater than Jonah is here. We've yeah. got prophets yeah. and now we've got a greater one. Yeah. And so this is the narrative that Matthew is presenting and this is the narrative that the people are picking up on. And so I really like hearing this idea of the narrative, and then, well, we've got to come up with a counter-narrative. We've got to tell a different story. We've got to get a story across that you'll believe that sits well with you, and you'll understand why, yeah, he's doing miracles, but you shouldn't follow him. So uh, tracking
1: the counter-narrative, we'll use that verbiage. Earlier in this chapter, uh, it was this man blasphemes in verse three. Mm. Okay, this is the same folks that they don't like what that what Jesus would say. Your sins are forgiven. We have. More power demonstrated, more popularity gained. And now we get to verse 34. He cast out demons by the ruler of the
0: demons. I like you making that connection because I hadn't hadn't done that yet. But yeah, so Jesus says, I'm setting the narrative. Mm -hmm. I'm setting the narrative. I'm going to say your sins are forgiven, which then prompts this pushing back. And Jesus himself is the one that brings up the pushing back that they're keeping to themselves. Why are you thinking evil in your heart? Which is easier. Jesus is setting the stage for the narrative. The reason I've said this is because now I'm going to perform a miracle, and I'm telling you what the miracle means. The miracle means I have the authority to forgive sins, which is why the Pharisees have to push back with a different story. No, no. What these miracles mean... You have a demon. Now, not just any demon, but the prince of demons.
1: Can I tell you that I see here a sort of this zero-sum game of blasphemy? If Jesus does not have the ability to forgive sins, but he's saying this, then actually the Pharisees would be right. He's blaspheming. Mm-hmm. Conversely, if Jesus does have that authority and he is from God, then when the Pharisees say he's of the devil and working the power of the devil, they— are blaspheming. Yes. Yes. So I, how how wise is it, or is it— uh, Okay, let me back up. I'm, I'm going to frame this a little differently. Is there any wisdom in the Pharisees being cautious that a new religious teacher is coming to the area— and the people are all just falling in love with him, and he's working these kinds of—I mean, is, is, there, is it wise to be cautious, or are they just, just straight-up evil?
0: I like the way you're asking that question, because for me, historically, I've looked at this passage as a believer who already accepts Jesus as the Christ, and my, my typical reaction to this is, look at these idiots— Oh, if you don't believe, just any old excuse will do. And that is not actually giving the proper credence and acknowledgement to the argument that they are making. They're actually making, if I can be the Pharisee's advocate for just a moment they're actually making an argument that needs to be considered. Mm -hmm. And that's based on the law, the Mm -hmm. law that they believe that Jesus has claimed he is the fulfillment. of, And it is the law of God. Yes. Yeah. And here's, here's where I'm talking about in Deuteronomy chapter 13. Mm -hmm. Here's something that was recorded. Deuteronomy 13, beginning at verse one. Again, I'm reading from the ESV. If a prophet or a dreamer of dreams arises among you and gives you a sign or a wonder, and hold fast to him but that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death because he has taught rebellion against the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you out of the house of slavery to make you leave the way in which the Lord your God commanded you to walk so you shall purge the evil from your midst the law said god is going to allow some false prophets and false dreamer of dreams to perform signs and wonders, and he's going to do it to test the people. And this is the argument the Pharisees are making. They look at Jesus and say, he's the test, y'all. He's the Mm -hmm. test. He's blaspheming. Mm -hmm. When he says that he's able to forgive sins, he is claiming Godhood. He is telling us to go after gods we don't know. He is a false prophet and a dreamer of dreams. He is doing this power by the prince of the demons. Mm -hmm. Don't fall for this. We want to love the Lord our God. We want to do what he says. That's the argument they're making, and I think we need to honestly assess that argument. Yeah. Well, and and
1: yes, I mean, absolutely. When anyone makes a claim to be a prophet, they should be subjected to these types of tests. You know, I, I like to run Muhammad through these scriptural tests. I like to run Joseph Smith through these scriptural tests. Jesus needs to be as well. Now, you've got one part of it, which is, okay, are there demonstrations of divine power? Are there miracles? Well, clearly they are. We've been reading one after another in all of these accounts. The second part, though, there in uh, Deuteronomy 13 is, then give the greater examination to his teaching and to his message. Is he turning people away from the true God? Is he teaching against the law of God? Uh, and, And that's what has to be. Now, what we saw in the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus said, I've come to fulfill it all. And, and and he's not saying to tell anyone to break any of these things or leave any of these things undone. So, you know, I, I believe Jesus does pass these tests. He is true, and he's even greater than a prophet. He is the Son of God. I come back and wonder about the Pharisees. Okay, so they've said, well, he's the devil. He's doing this by the power of the devil. How would they demonstrate that? How would they back that up? Uh, I, I get that in their view he does not
0: pass a Deuteronomy 13 grid, but but on what basis, right? What really fascinates me about what Matthew does here mm-hmm. is that this this objection gets brought up. It's two chapters from now before he actually gives a pushback, an argument. Against the counter narrative, so when we get to Matthew chapter twelve, we'll talk about how Jesus actually addresses these claims that you are the prince of demons. Yeah, so it's hard. It's hard for me to say, hey, let's wait till Matthew twelve to give (laughs) the argument back. We'll have to remind everybody. Yeah, (laughs) when we get there, because he does have an argument against that. Yes, and of course his statement is, guys, does your argument even make sense? Yeah. If the devil's casting out the devil, then he's gonna he's gonna bite and devour himself. He's gonna destroy himself. That your argument actually makes no sense. Here's. Here's the thing that I'm, I I want to see here is that what the Pharisees actually do is they make it very clear that Jesus is someone we have to deal with. Mm-hmm. We don't get to dismiss him. We don't get to minimize him. They didn't say, ah, he's nobody. He's nothing. He hasn't accomplished anything of note. He hasn't done any great work. He hasn't—no— th- he has lived and acted and taught and behaved and worked in such a way. They have to come up with a counter-narrative. Mm-hmm. What's the counter-narrative? It's not, he's a good teacher, but guys, look, he's not God. It's, ah, oh, demons, demons, false gods. That's, that's what this is. And that tells us, it's really important for us to recognize that the driving point you can't ignore Jesus. And a lot of people today want to. They want to act like he was nothing special that can just be dismissed. But the, the enemies recognize, no, we've got a choice. He is either the prince of demons mm-hmm. or he's the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. what we have to do is we've got to look at, you asked the question a minute ago, how would they argue for being the prince of demons? Well, okay, let's walk through the gospels. And how would I argue that? If I'm going to get to the end of the gospels and say, well, I mean, I can't say he's the prince of demons. Well, I can't say he's just a good teacher. Yeah, that's it. I have to say if he's not the prince of demons, he is the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. He is the king of heaven. And you know what? If I'm going to say, well, he's not the king of heaven, I don't get to say, well, he was a good teacher. I kind of like some things he says. I need to say he's the prince of demons. Yeah. These are our choices. Yeah. yeah. We're going to get some good arguments why we should choose king of heaven, which of course that's what you and I believe. He is the king of heaven. Yeah. But these are our choices. We don't get the in between.
1: So- some great apologetic thoughts from our reading today. We need to wrap
0: this up, though, with a word of prayer, and I hope you'll lead us with that. Holy Lord God, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus Christ, the King of heaven. We ask that you help us to honestly assess. And Lord, we pray that having honestly assessed, we will find our salvation in the King of kings, the Lord of lords, your Son, the Christ, the Messiah. And may we pass on his good news of his good kingdom to everyone we come in contact with. Through your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutes, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode,